Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been reflecting a lot on prayer and how to grow in my understanding of intercessory prayer and even prayers of petition, you know, asking God for particular things. And I found myself compelled to pray for a lot of individuals who are going through struggles and praying for my family, you know, my children and some of their life transitions and challenges um, for, you know, myself, you know, praying for Tierra Nueva, our ministry, and all of the people that we're, you know, we're trying to reach and on the streets. You know, we've been going out on a regular basis on the streets, like every Friday night, and we offer hot drinks to people. And, you know, we carry Narcan, you know, for bringing people back if they're, if they overdose on the fentanyl and offer hot, um, you know, like hand warmers and gloves and just different things. Anyway, we, we often offer to pray for people and many times people refuse and say they don't need any prayer. And, you know, and we've been finding ways, finding ways to offer prayer that, you know, that are more likely to be accepted and um, sometimes just encouraging people to themselves just pray. We don't need to pray for them. They can pray for themselves and telling people just about how, you know, God is a God who hears the cries of the oppressed and of the poor and any one of us who, who just, uh, you know, like cry out. And a scripture that's been really striking me for a long time has been um, Luke chapter 18, you know, where you have the the woman who goes before the unrighteous judge asking for justice and you know and uh, Jesus says you know hear what the unrighteous judge said now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night and will he delay long over them that's in contrast to the unrighteous judge who you know it took forever for this woman to get justice and he finally just relented because he couldn't tolerate her anymore so Jesus is making this comparison, you know, well, of course, God will bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night. But often I find that, that people stop crying out to God day and night. You know, people give up and, um, and that's the temptation is just to become despairing and, and to, and to lose faith. And Jesus says in verse eight, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Such confidence that Jesus has. And then he has a question. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith in my household? Will he find faith in me? Will he find that I have faith? You know, I want there, I want him to find faith in me. And, and so how do we grow in our faith? How do we develop, I guess, practices of prayer that um, enhance our faith? I've been, Gracie and I came upon a book um, that was actually given to us by um, a woman in her 80s who comes to our church, a woman named Carol. It's a book she says, uh, she told us was really a good book that she remembered really moving her. And she says, maybe you should read it. And it's a book written in 1959 by Rosalind Rinker called Prayer, How to Have a Conversation with God. And I just love this book. It, it's very well written. It's super refreshing. And um, a lot of it is about 
Matthew eighteen nineteen, which uh, reads, Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that you may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So she talks about, you know, that, how scripture, uh, that scripture really grounds the, the practice of, of, of group prayer, you know, and all you need is two or three. And um, she tells all these stories in the beginning of her book of different prayer meetings that she went to and revelations that she had about group prayer, you know, praying out loud with other people. And, and she's got several chapters just about how to go about praying in a group and sort of what she's learned. And it's just so excellent. Anyway, um, you know, one of the, I guess, the opportunities that I have oftentimes is to, to actually practice this because, you know, I'm going out on the street and I'm meeting people who are unhoused, who are addicts, and I'm offering to pray. And there I am, two, uh, two of us are there or, or three of us. Usually it's two of us with maybe one one individual or a couple of people and um and just and Jesus's assurance that 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 he's there um you know um and that and that the father uh whatever whatever we ask when we agree when two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask it shall be done for them by my father who is in heaven okay like such confidence and how would we know whether that was actually true or not unless we practice this, right? For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So anyway, this week I have been um, practicing that. I've gone into the jail and I've been, I've had numerous meetings actually. I've, I've been up to Whatcom County Jail, visited one guy and uh, and I sort of, uh, we talked about Matthew 18, 19 and 20 and, and we actually prayed together. And I'll tell you about that in a moment. Um, and then yesterday I, I met with three different guys. And, um, you know, another, um, before I go back to that, I want to look at another scripture that um, that Rosalind Rinker uh, talks about. I'm going to read a section of her book. And um, it's from Mark eleven twenty two, where it says, um, in 22 to 24, And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Okay, so um, Rosalind Rinkler talks about how critical it is to to actually really uh, put our faith in God when we pray. And she draws it back to when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. So to choose to trust that Jesus is there and to put our faith in Jesus when we address him and how uh, when we're praying with two or three or even alone, anytime we're praying, we need to address uh, God as as if he were right there because he is. And of course, we do that by faith because God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're all invisible, right? And so um, anyway, I'm going to read from this uh, chapter called, What are Faith-Sized Requests? 
What is a faith-sized request? A faith-sized request is first of all a request, which is just the right believing size for your faith. It is not a request which is so large that the very size of it makes you wonder if God will answer. It is a request for a particular situation in which you pray for a special person or thing and ask only for that which you can really believe God will do in a given time limit. This does not limit what God can do, but it honestly recognizes the size of your faith, and there is every reason to believe that you will be asking for larger things as your faith grows. Um, let me illustrate this by a prayer promise in Mark and also by several true experiences. And here um, she uses the Amplified Bible of Mark 11, which is interesting, and it's actually possible to read it this way. Jesus said to them, have faith in God constantly. In other words, keep having faith in God. That's a present tense. So that works. I just talked to a friend who specializes in Greek. and So uh, have faith in God constantly, or keep having faith in God. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you will get it. Okay, so she goes on. The first thing the Lord tells us is to have faith in the one who is able to answer. That is one of the lessons of faith. Um, then we're told that no matter what mountain stands in our way, if we ask and believe, it will be moved. It will be done. To ask and believe is the opposite of wondering in your heart if you will receive it. That negative picture in your mind of not receiving what you've asked for is doubt, and doubt will surely keep your prayer from being answered. But God has given us power over our imaginations so that by positive use of that imagination, we can picture ourselves receiving the answer. This is the way to believe in one's heart and to believe that what one has asked for, he or she will receive. Jesus repeats this promise again in the next verse and does not limit it to, to any one mountain. He says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that it is granted to you and you will get it. Those are strong, positive words. There is no if or maybe involved. Why is it then that we don't ask for more? Why is it then that we seem to get so little when so much is needed? About the time that I began to be aware of of honesty and simplicity and brevity in audible prayer, I listened carefully when others prayed and also checked myself after I'd prayed. I asked myself these questions. For what definite thing had I prayed? Did I believe that I would get it? Could I picture myself receiving it? The tragic answer was that I wasn't asking anything definite and I wasn't receiving anything definite. I was merely praying platitudes. Lord, bless my family in America, and bless the Chinese pastors working in Shanghai, and bless and bless and bless. The words bless and blessings do get a workout when people pray. But what exactly are we asking for? Are we asking for anything? Are we talking to anyone? Are we expecting an answer from him? Two things began to appear in my short, simplified prayers. I saw to it that I thanked him for something, and I asked him for something, no matter how small it seemed. It was hard to keep my prayer short at first, but I did it deliberately in order to make myself think specifically, and not just let words flow out without any thought back of, back of them. 
And in the asking, I was careful to ask only for that which I believed he could do. If you think it is easy, try it and keep your mind on being definite. The first thing I knew, I was editing my prayers. I would ask for something and then quickly ask for forgiveness because I found I didn't really believe I would get what I was asking for. Then I'd try again and finally I would arrive at one small request compared to the first one, which I confidently believed God could do and would do in a given situation. So anyway, I, I really like this because um, I find this to be so practical and and, and helpful. And, um, you know, the idea of having um, faith-sized requests, you know, to me makes sense. And it's um, especially, I find this to be helpful in working with a lot of the people um, like that I work with in the jails. And um, I just want to illustrate this by giving an example, you know, from um, this week, you know, I went up to one jail and visited a guy um, who I've visited a couple times and he's um, someone I've known for a while and he's been an addict and he's, he's doing like five months. And so he's been clean off of a drug. He detoxed from fentanyl for maybe his first couple weeks. And anyway, so I just was talking to him about prayer. I just, I asked him, hey, do you, do you ever pray? And he goes, no, um, I never pray. And, um, you know, he came from a background of being part of a sect that was a really toxic experience for him where he was forced to go to different gatherings. And, you know, it was, uh, I think Jehovah's Witness or something. And so anyway, for him, he just uh, had kind of thrown everything out because it was um, the, the religion he was part of was very legalistic. And there was a lot of fear that he was, uh, that was attached to it. And so anyway, I just said, well, you know, have you, would you consider like trying to pray? Um, I mean, do you feel a need like for God to help you in any way? Um, like if Jesus said to you, um, I mean, we read the scripture about, of, you know, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my father who's in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. So I said, hey, here we are. We're in this little room in the jail. And um, Jesus says that if two or three gather, here we are, two of us. Um, he's there and we can, whatever we agree on here on the earth, about anything we ask, it will be done for us or for them or us by, you know, by Jesus's father, our father, who's in heaven. So what do you think? Should we, would you be willing to like try to just, you know, like, even if you're not sure you believe Jesus is here, he's invisible. Um, would you like to try to, to speak to him about something that you need? And he goes, well, I don't know what I need. I have no idea even what I'd ask. I said, well, okay, well, I, t I think I said a prayer, Jesus, like, show my brother here if there's anything that that he'd like to be able to ask for that resonates, that he give bring something to mind. And so then he said, actually, um, willpower. I said, okay, that's, that's a good thing. Well, how about just telling Jesus, saying, you know, Jesus, uh, would you give me willpower? You know, would you strengthen my will or just say it, speak it out in your own words. And so he said it. He he looked over towards the door of this room we were in, where we were imagining Jesus to be. <laughs> and uh, he said, Jesus, um, would you strengthen my willpower? And um, 
that felt like a faith-sized request. And, um, and then we, we, we talked about other things. Um, you know, he needed to have, um, he was looking at five months, but he was hoping he could do the last couple months in, in a rehab, you know, drug, drug rehab program somewhere, you know, inpatient. Um, and so the, his public defender hadn't been coming around and helping him or offering him that. And so, so I just said, well, what about that? You, what about asking Jesus and I'll agree. So he said, yeah, okay. And so he started to get maybe a little more excited about it. Like, so he spoke it out. Jesus, um, I would, I asked that you'd help me to be able to do some of my time in, um, in an inpatient drug and alcohol rehab program. And I said, yeah. And I agree, um, with my, with my brother here and Jesus, um, we asked that you'd help make that happen. So we prayed for three or four things like that. And, you know, and then, you know, we talked about some other stuff and, and I left, um, but he was excited and, um, I felt, I feel excited. I want to, I want to, can't wait to see him next time and see if anything has, if he notices anything. Right. And, um, then, uh, yesterday I visited with two or three guys and, um, one of the guys is a, is a person that I, you know, I, I began visiting maybe a year ago and then I was blocked from seeing him for almost nine months. But when I first visited him, he was someone that, um, if anyone, I mean, if anyone, if there's anybody that I've ever met that didn't have a, a spiritual pulse that was discernible, this guy was the guy, like I remember meeting with him and talking to him about, about God. And he says, well, I don't believe in God. And I was, I asked him something like, well, do you ever feel like you need um, if there were a God that you would need him. And he goes, no, uh, I really don't see how I would need him for anything. But he told me about how his public defender was not uh, willing to fight some of the charges that he said he was not guilty of. He said, look, I admit to, you know, five out of the seven charges that I'm in here for. But the two charges, um, one of the, one of them was, I think, um, you know, resisting arrest or like striking a police officer. He said, I, I didn't do that. And, um, I don't want to, I don't want to plead guilty to that as part of my deal. And, and my public defender's just insisting that he wants me to plead guilty to everything and just take a deal. And I said, okay, well, um, look, um, scripture, the Bible tells us that God hears the cries of the oppressed and is a defender of the prisoner. And, um, you know, and Jesus came and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoner, you know? Um, and so what if that's true? Um, would you need God if God was someone who could help you uh, have these charges dropped that are, that are, that you're not guilty of? And he said, um, yes, actually I would need God if he, if he could do that for me. And so that was the beginning point for us, um, us praying, you know, back a while back. And then, um, then I learned that actually that, that public defender left and he was given another public defender who, who actually helped him, um, you know, plead to, uh, the charges that he was guilty of without including those ones. And so he felt like he saw an answer to those prayers. Well, then yesterday we were in there talking again, and it had been a while since I'd been visiting him nine months, as I said. And I said, so, um, 
we read Matthew 18, 19 and 20. And I said, how about, um, you know, have you been praying lately? And, you know, what do you think? Is there anything that you, um, that you feel like you would like to pray, prayer for? Um, you know, like if Jesus were here and he said, like, what do you want? What do you need me to do? Um, what would you say? And he said, you know, I don't know, man. I can't think of anything that I would ask him. And I said, okay, well, nothing like, um, and he goes, well, actually my girlfriend, you know, my partner, the mother of my babies, my kids, um, she's out on the street and, uh, you know, we had talked about a woman who had died in a car accident who he knew and, and I knew who were doing the memorial for this, this Saturday. And he says, man, I don't want my, you know, my friend here to die. And I, I want to see her protected. And I said, oh, okay, well, so how about, um, here we are. I agree with you about that. I, I, I'd like to see her protected. So how about if the two of us agree? And, um, would you be willing to to like tell Jesus um, that you would like him to protect your girlfriend? And he goes, well, what do I say? And I was like, just, okay, just, he's invisible, you know, and pretend like he's here because he says, according to this scripture, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. So by faith, we choose to trust um, that he's right here. So why don't you just... Um, speak to him. So he had his, um, telephone, the jail telephone. There was a glass between us, you know, like, um, and so I had my phone on too, and he pressed his phone up against his ear and his mouth. And he looked over to the right, to his right and just said, um, Hey, uh, Jesus, um, Hey, would you help my, you know, my woman out there? Um, would you protect her? And, um, would you just deliver, keep her from all harm and just help her out there? not to overdose. And, um, and then he looked up at me and I said, yeah. And, and Jesus, I agree. Um, and so, wow, that was so cool that this guy prayed like that. And, uh, then I said, okay, well, um, is there anything else that comes to mind? And he goes, um, yeah, I mean, there's a young homie that's back there with us. Who's looking at some heavy duty charges and, uh, I'm really worried because he got in a fight and they threw him in the hole and he's never done time and he's in the solitary confinement and I worry that he's just tripping out and his mental health isn't good. And I've thought that I need to just get myself thrown in there so that I can go help him. And I said, oh, well, how would you do that? And he goes, well, I obviously I'd have to do something, get in the fight and and then I'd be thrown in there. And But, you know, like this, he says, I'm, you know, well, I know this guy was like 37 years old and the 18 year old was just brand new to this whole thing. And the guy I was talking with had been spent many, many years in prison and was a total veteran. So anyway, I said, well, wouldn't you lose your good time if you got in a fight and got thrown in the hole? And he goes, oh yeah, for sure. I probably shouldn't do that. And I said, well, how about, how about telling Jesus um, your concerns for this young, this young guy? And I could maybe visit him um, if you, if you, want me to, you know, you could pass on the word that, that you think it's okay if you do. He goes, I don't know if he'd let anyone visit him, man. I don't know if he's there. I said, okay, well, how about praying? And so anyway, he pressed his phone to his mouth again and looked over to the right and said, Jesus, um, would you help? Um, and he named the guy. And uh, I agreed. 
Jesus, yeah, I agree. And then I said, hey, you know, I noticed that all your prayers are for other people. And, um, and that's beautiful that you care about other people. But what would you ask for yourself? And he was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't really, I don't really need anything. I, I'm fine. I mean, this guy had been in jail for two years, right? And he's looking at like maybe five or six more. So I'm thinking, wow, he doesn't need anything. But I said, oh, really nothing. There's nothing you need. Um, you know, and I said, well, what about just believing? Um, like if Jesus could help you come to really believe that he was real and show you that in some way, would that be something you'd want? And he goes, well, well, yeah. And I said, well, why don't you ask him um, to show you uh, that he's real and that and that he's alive and that he's the, here for you? Um, he goes, well, you mean like ask for a sign? And I said, well, I mean, yeah, you could have asked for a sign or just ask him to show you in whatever way would convince you. So he says, yeah, okay. Um, so he looked over to the right again and um, his eyes were open and my eyes were open and we I looked over where he was looking and he said, Jesus, um, would you show me um, however you can, that you're real, if you're real, uh, and that you're here for me. And I thought, whoa, that is so cool. I, I agreed and said, Jesus, yes, do that and show me too while you're at it because I need to be more convinced over and over again too. And so I just joined my friend there um, through the glass there with his prayer for myself too. And then um, he said, hey, you know, it's so weird. I I feel, I feel so weird saying Jesus. Uh, and I said, oh, well, what about just saying God? He goes, no, it's the same. I said, okay. He says, the way I pray is I just say, I hope that this would work out. I hope that that would work out. I mean, isn't that prayer? And I so well, I'm sure I'm sure God hears that, you know. Um, in Exodus, it says that the, you know, the slaves there, in Egypt, their cries rose up to God, their groans rose up to God, and He heard. And um, I'm sure that God hears your groans and your cries and your and your desires. But, but you know, I wonder why it's hard for you to say Jesus. He goes, no, I don't know. I said, well, you know, there is a power of darkness, of evil, um, Satan, you know, like he's not interested in us talking to Jesus at all. He hates Jesus. He's like the enemy of Jesus and the enemy of God and our enemy. And he can be actively trying to block you. You know, that's a possibility. And he looked at me like, really? And I said, well, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, we're in a spiritual war and and the last thing that the enemy would want is for you to have faith in Jesus. And so, um, so he said, what do I do about it? And I said, well, you could pray. You could say, Jesus, would you block Satan from, from keeping me um, away from you? Would, you? would you block him from, you know, um, so that he can't stop me from praying to, to you? And um, would you just free me from whatever interference there is something like that and so he said yeah i i want to pray that so i was watching his faith grow right before my eyes and i feel like what i was witnessing what i was trying to actually do was practice what um you know um 
rink, rinker here in this book is suggesting of, of uh, you know, faith size requests, you know, um, where we're actually directing our prayers to, to, to Jesus in this case, um, based on that Matthew 18 text where it's like wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. That's Jesus. And so speaking to Jesus like that. And anyway, I'm excited to, to visit this guy again to see, you know, what where he's at with his faith, uh, you know, next week. And I'm excited too because I'm practicing this. I've been, been writing more precise prayers, you know, like incremental prayers. Um, you know, because some of the things that I feel like I need are such big things that in a way what I need to do is break it down into um, way smaller, like step-by-step -step kinds of prayers. And um, Rinker talks about that in her book. And, um, you know, like we, 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 we don't want to just think that we can just jump, you know, to the very top of a staircase, he says. Um, you know, um, he says, um, here's an example. He says, it's, it is too frequently our experience to pray for the conversion of a loved one for years without an answer. And that is not because God isn't willing to save the loved one. It's because we're not praying sensibly and with faith. It's like trying to take one giant leap from the bottom of the stairs to the top of the stairs. We want to get to the top of the stairs. We talk and talk about going and getting there. Um, and yet there we stand. So we talk and talk about going. And yet there we stand. The reason being, it is impossible to get from the bottom to the top of a flight of stairs in one step. Stairs were made to be used, but they were made to be used one step at a time. The prayer of faith is like that. Climbing the steps is what we mean by a faith-sized request. Take one step at a time. Pray for only what you believe God can do for a certain person in a definite situation during a given period of time. And um, anyway, so that's that's what I think I was really trying to practice um, you know, with these two men and, um, and for myself, I'm trying to do that as well because I truly want to see more breakthrough and I, and I want to, um, I want to grow in my faith. And I, I just pray that as, you know, as you listen to what I'm sharing, that your faith is being stirred up. And, uh, anyway, let's just close with a prayer for an increase in our faith and that we would you know, learn to pray, you know, maybe more faith-sized requests, you know, um, you know, in everything by prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known, let your requests be made known to God, um, Paul writes, and let the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, rule in your hearts. So God, I pray that we would um, cast all of our burdens onto you and that we would, we would cry out day and night, that you would teach us to um, pray faith-sized requests, that you would uh, help us grow in our faith as we trust in you. And I ask that you would help us practice uh, Matthew 18 of uh, praying with another person or two or more and agreeing and believing that you are there and that you will answer our prayers. And I just ask that um, you would bless all of us that we would be able to experience um, like answers to prayer that will grow our faith 
and I pray for my friends in the jail that you would uh, you would really bless them and, and grant them the requests that they're asking. And um, and I thank you for um, the faith that is growing in um, among many many people, many prisoners, others that I'm visiting. And I just pray that we would experience the same thing too. In Jesus' name, amen. So just um, in closing, there's a number of people that I've also met with who are way further along in their faith. And I'm, I'm witnessing uh, like two or three, four guys who I've probably known upwards to 15, 20 years, some of them, um, who now are, they're in the jail or they're heading out, 